You're listening to The Shelter, Stories of Redemption. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please visit ProvidenceRescueMission.org. Now, here's your host, Michael David. Hey guys, Michael David here with The Shelter Podcast, where we tell stories of the redeemed. Today, we have Mr. Steve Roy over here. How are you doing today, Steve? Very good. How are you, sir? Doing good. And Steve, so we just had Thanksgiving. How was your Thanksgiving? Very good. Very good. So, Steve, you are the chef here over at um, the Providence Rescue Mission, right? Yes, sir. How did you get to the Providence Rescue Mission? Well, it's kind of a long story, but I cut it down a little bit. But I was living in a tent. Really? Yes. And I've been to a few hospitals. They put me on medicine and everything because, you know, I was suicidal and everything like that. And um, my problem was uh, drinking. Okay. And I just ended up in a tent and one night I really you know I really didn't talk to God but that night I talked to him because I overdosed on my on my the medicine that they gave me Oof. and I was like a mile and a half from the hospital okay and I kind of fell asleep a little bit in my tent but sure I, but I woke up okay and God I, I just started talking to God that yep. day because I wasn't really religious okay. un- until that night. Sure. And I walked myself to the hospital. I don't know how I got there. Yeah. But they told me when I got there that, you know, if I didn't get there within an hour or so, I would have been dead. Wow. So let's bring yeah. this back a little bit here. So where, are you from Rhode Island originally? Yes, sir. What part? Oh, uh, Coventry. Oh, me yeah. too. <laughs> I grew up, I grew up, actually, I live off 116. Oh, okay. Well, that, that's pretty close because I live off right out of Tioke Avenue. Oh, that's yeah. pretty close. I live like, we're practically neighbors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. How much more Rhode Island can you get yeah. when you're talking to somebody and they live yeah. right next yeah. to you practically? <laughs> we didn't even get to know each other. <laughs> so you grew, up, you, you grew up in Coventry. Yes, sir. Um, how was your family life? Uh, my family life was good. Was good. Okay. But there was a lot of, you know, inheritory of the drinking. Okay, so you would would you consider now? Here's a, now. I want to ask this question. I'm, I'm not okay. asking. I'm asking more out of ignorance here because, like I said, I, I grew up in a very. My family had no issues, so okay. when I talk to um, people at the risk commission, I try to understand where they're coming from here. So, right, would you consider alcoholism a disease or a choice? I to me, well, they say it's a disease, but. When you grew up in a family, we see everybody drinking. Yeah. It just comes to... A natural a thing. A natural thing that, oh, I'm going to start drinking myself. Yeah. How old were you when you started drinking? I think it was like uh, 18. 18? Yeah. So how would you describe your life till you were 18? Uh, my life was good. Yeah. It was just that my father was strict. Okay. You know, we, we, we grew up in a strict house. Now, but it, was, it wasn't a Christian strict house. Uh, no, it was Catholic. Catholic, okay. Yeah. Okay, now, were your parents still married? Were they... Yes, they were married, yeah. Okay. So at 18 years old, um, you started drinking. Now, prior to being 18, you were still in school, you graduated? I graduated and everything with high honors, and I went, as soon as I got out of school, I went to Electric Boat. I worked there for um, 28 years. Really? Yeah. So you were there for 20, so 28 years. So then... How did you become homeless? Well, I was living in Florida. Okay. Probably about like maybe five years ago. Sure. Six years ago. Yeah. And 
my mother had a stroke. Okay. See, my father passed away already. Okay. God, you know, God rest him. His, yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And instead of putting my mom in a nursing home, I decided to quit my job down there and, and I would come up and take care of her. Is there an electric boat in Florida too? No. Okay. No. No, I, I, I opened up a little plumbing business down there. Nice. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of nice. It might, all, all my kids live down there, too. Okay. How many kids do you have? I have three. Nice. And one grandchild. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. But um, when I came up here and started taking care of her, I took care of her, I guess, about a year when she had her stroke. Sure. And then she had a couple more, and it was getting to the point where I couldn't take care of her no more. Okay. So, she was still living in the house that I was born in. Okay. And we had to put her in a nursing home, and we had to sell the house. Okay. And it was kind of, that you know, that, I think that's the one that broke me when I had to, we had to sell the house. Yeah. I'd been into other shelters, and I did not like them, and I said, heck with it. I'm just going, and um, going over living in a tent, because I like camping. Yeah. Well, it came to the point where... You know, like I said, when I overdosed and everything like that, I was going to the doctors. And um, when I got released from the hospital after the overdose, I went to see the doctor again. And she said she didn't want me to live out in the tent no more. Sure. I said, nah, I ain't going to go to no more shelters. But one night, now this is in the wintertime now. And one night she came to my tent and she said, I want you to go to the Providence Rescue. And that was your mother? No, that was my doctor. Your doctor, okay. Yeah. And she said, I'm going to take you there, and I want you to try that. You know, she was pleading with me, and everything. I said, okay, I'll, let me, I'll try it. Sure. And they brought me here, and I've been working for them. I went to the whole discipleship program, which I loved, which was great here. Yeah. So describe to me the disciple program. Disciple program is a, it's, it's based on like a, a, a discipline, almost like a disciple that's in the Bible, all right? We have the, gen- we had the, we have the Genesis process that goes, which helped me a lot, because I'll bring back a lot of things in your background that you really didn't realize, which will help you. And um, uh, the classes that we had helped a lot. And the biggest thing that helped me here is to become a Christian is, I never read the Bible before, and this is when I started reading the Bible. And this is when I became, I have a relationship with God now. So this is the first time that, you know, so you were in the tent before, right. and that was the first time you actually spoke to God. Yeah. And yes. now, did you feel his presence in that tent, or did it, did it come, did you feel his presence more as you started really researching and investing into not only Christianity and Jesus, but yourself at the mission? I felt him inside when I was in that tent. Really? And I think that's when my journey... What's that, what did that feel like? Because it's... You know what it is? I ask you this because yeah. I think a lot of people who hear this who are not Christians will say, no, I understand where you're coming from. Right. But I think they'll be like, well, that's weird. But no, it's a real thing. It is. It's a... It was a... It, well, it's kind of hard to explain, but it was a like a warm feeling inside mm. that... You knew there was somebody trying to guide you somewhere, but you didn't really know where to go. But yeah. at the end, you were, you ended up in, in the place where you were supposed to be, yeah, where yeah, he yeah. sent you. Yeah. Now, when you were in that tent, you know, 
your dad has passed. Yes. Your mom was she? She was not alive at that point. Or she was alive. She was in but, a nursing home, but, but, she, she, home. She, but she passed away. So you really now? Did you have any brothers or sisters at that time? Yeah, I have a brother. I don't know where he is. I have a sister. Now, do you talk to your sister at all? Yeah, I talk to my sister. And during the time that you were in that tent, were you talking to your sister? We talk. Well, I kind of isolated myself. Why? Because I just didn't want nothing to do with anybody anymore. That was just the state that I was in. Now, are you a loner by trade, by natural, or are you? Because I'll be honest with you, when I yeah. see you, you're you're a very nice person. You're very like um, inviting. Like I don't feel you being kind of stand, as you would say, standoffish. Right. Well, see that that that's the God that I got the new. Yeah. And that he's the he's the one that changed me from who I was to who I am now. Now, who you were, what do you think caused you to be wanting to be, like, isolate? It was, uh, it was just like a, um, a psychiatric problem that I had. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, no worries. But um, I went to the doctors, and they put me on all kind of, like, medicine to help do that and everything, and... When I first came to the mission here, I started talking to God, relationship with Jesus, and I went to my doctors and I told them I want to get off the medication. What was their reaction to that? She didn't want me to do it, but I told her, I said, I want to, so I want you to wean me off it. And within a few months, I was weaned off all the medication. I don't take no medication no more. Amen to that. Amen. And I'm over four and a half years old, but no. Wow, I just gotta, ch- I just gotta yeah. chill up my spine. Um, I, that was just, that's just amazing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I, I just gotta chill up my spine because, like, it's the power of Christ. Amen. It is. I know, I know what it is. I feel like people. No, ultimately, God's the ultimate physician. He is. Yes. You know, and God can use medication to help people as well. That's right. But I find it so much more amazing when i see god's power it is once you once you get that relationship with god and you have jesus in your heart yeah it'll change your whole lifestyle because it changed mine yeah i I love that now you came to the mission yes the the doctor requested you she she visited you at so here's my question the doctor comes to your tent what's going through your mind i didn't think she was going to show up yeah but when she was there i you know, it came to me that, you know, I guess she's desperate. She wants me to go. So that's why I and said, okay, went. I went. And how long ago was that? Ooh, three years. Three years ago. And you've been here three years. Yeah. So in that three years, your life has definitely changed. Yes, it has. You um, are not reliant on alcohol. You Now no. you live at the, you live here. Yes. Now, describe your life, how it has changed over the past three years. I see things in a different aspect as I did before. Mm-hmm. Like when you when you drink or you drug, you you miss different things in in life. You know, like just a bird singing. You you don't even think about something like that. But that's one of God's creatures. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you say, wow, you know, that that's really nice. It's funny because I'm a my trade by profession. My my business is I'm a photographer. Yes. And I never wanted to be a photographer. 
But there right. was one day, I, so I used to be a, an assistant manager of the deli at okay. Stop and Shop. And that was about 21 to like 23. And during that time, God really um, put on my heart to be a photographer. Now, I never liked photography. Right. But I remember being in the Stop and Shop parking lot in Westerly, Rhode Island. Okay. And looking at the creation, the birds, the, the, yeah. the sky, the grass, the trees, and being myself. God is so creative. Yeah. Even just like a sunrise or a sunset. It's amazing. Yeah, like, it is. You know, because I'm a photographer, I can, I, I, I notice little details in like the nature and stuff. And like, right. look at grass. Grass is like the best technology out there. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I like, I, that just like, totally resonates with me when you just said that you started noticing things. Yes. And I did. I've, I've noticed quite a bit, especially going through the whole program because I did the one year disciple program here. Yeah. And I, I've stayed here, and now, now look at me. I was nothing. Now I'm kitchen director. That's awesome. I do maintenance over here and stuff. I help with all the food drives and everything right. like that, and I'm very involved with the mission, and I'm glad the mission was here. Are you happier? I'm very happy. Yeah. Especially, you know, coming, you know, closer to God. I read my Bible two or three times a day, and That's we awesome. just keeping that, you know, that touch. Like I, like, you know, like I tell anybody, it says, you know, God, God's up there. No matter what you do, just thank him for anything. Just talk to him. He's there to listen. He will listen and he'll answer prayers. It might be not the next day, but eventually he will. I think that's what you just said. I think it's the key thing. I think sometimes we expect God to be a puppet. That's right. And we expect God to answer prayers like today. Yeah. It's like, God, take, take this sin away from me. But a week later goes by and it's not there. Right. And I think a lot of times that we have to realize that God will answer your prayer with either three things. Yes, no, or not right now. Yeah. Because sometimes during that not right now, he wants you to learn something. Exactly. He wants you to realize that, yes, I am powerful enough to get you off that drug. Right. But you have to put in the effort to get off that drug. That's right. Because he'll take, God will take you out of one situation. He'll put you in another. Mm -hmm. You might not understand why you, he took you out of that and put you in another, but eventually... The answers will, you know, will answer itself. Absolutely. One of my favorite, one of my favorite things I tell people is that our job is not to understand why God does things. Our right. job is to trust That's why right. He does things. That exactly. Amen. So now you you're here and you are working as the chef here. Um, what is the mission done for you? What do you see as like? Like when you're here, what do you what do you view as like the mission? What have they done for you, and what do you see them doing for other people? Well, they keep me right now. It's uh, sober. Nice. And I like helping a lot of people. I spread the word of God around as much as I can, and that's a big thing because I never did that before. And um, that makes me happy, and I like helping the people like in our community with the food drives and everything like that. And I love cooking. And like every plate that we serve a homeless person, I told everybody it's like serving Jesus himself. That's true. It is. That's very true. That's, yes. all, that's a very good way to put that thing. Right. Now, so you're at the mission, you're serving. You know, the one thing I, I liked about what you said is the word, you said serve. Right. And I have a five and a seven-year-old and... 
it's tough during COVID and they're only five and seven, but what I really try to ingrain in them is serve. Because look, look in the book of uh, Matthew, it says, for Christ did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Like, That's right. Think about the attitude of Christ. Yeah, Christ could have come down and said, you do this, you do this, I'm in charge. That's it. That's right. But he didn't. He took on the, um, the role of a servant. Yes, he did. He came here and served others. That's right. And he went to people's houses that didn't he didn't necessarily agree with, but he but his mission was he wanted to change their heart. Right. I look at Zacchaeus uh, as he was a tax collector back in um, the New Testament, and with Zacchaeus and being a tax collector, tax collectors in general were not considered these like lovely loyal people. They were cheats. They yeah. cheated you out of their money, but. Christ served Zacchaeus, got to know Zacchaeus. And what did they do? Zacchaeus, um, if I remember correctly, he made, well, no, it's true, but the details, I'm not going to get into, I don't, I don't want to mess up the details, but ultimately he just turned his life over to Christ. That's right. You know what I mean? And the funny thing is, which I love about this, uh, I love about Jesus, if you read the, um, Isaiah when they were foretelling when he was going to come, he was just an average-looking, average person. Um, it said something to the effect of he was not, basically he wasn't a great-looking, majestic person. That's right. He was a person like me and you. Yes. And that tells you the character of Jesus. When That's he, right. when he, When God sent his son down here, he didn't send this miraculous six-pack guy with big, huge muscles. Right. He sent this normal-looking guy to a, he was born in a manger, yep. a feeding, a feeding trough. Yes. And from there, he wasn't loaded. He didn't have a ton of money, but what he did have was knowledge and love and for human people. That's right. He wanted people to know the gospel. Yeah. We need to spread a lot of love around. Yeah. Especially nowadays, we try to do, that's one of our missions over here we try to spread the love of jesus around yeah as much as we can try to get that feeling in your heart because you get that warm feeling in your heart you know you have the presence of jesus around you absolutely that's the one thing i will say coming to the mission you know i i started coming to the mission well the mission was <laughs> when i first came here 21 years ago the mission wasn't even the mission my right. youth group it was actually an old jewelry factory in providence and cranston street and um, Sean Crew came up here with, with Mary Beth, I believe it was from Pennsylvania. Yes, sir. And my youth group, I was 17 years old, and we, we knocked down a bunch of walls to the studs. Yeah. And my church, CCF, or Cranston Christian Fellowship, over on Stitchwood Ave in Cranston, um, they came in and put up all the drywall and okay. kind of formed what you see now. Right. It's, it's a little bit different because it was 21 years ago. But... Um, so then for years, I have not been back. And then they called me to do some help with some um, video work. And the one thing I have noticed by talking to the people, um, seeing people, hearing, hearing the testimonies, is that how much the mission has changed their life. Yes. And God has used this mission to really help form and change the lives of the individuals and ultimately point it back to Christ. Exactly, yeah. Because I've, I've talked to a lot of the, the overnighters that stay here. Yeah. And I try to put the word into them on what, you know, God will do for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of them listen. They do. And, and a lot of them say, boy, I'm glad this place is here because I'd be out in the cold right now. And you know what the funny thing is, too, and as you're saying that, like, I've heard people say, like, 
people only come to Christ when they need him or when they're like down in the dumps. And I will say amen to that yeah. because you know why? We as people are so, I don't want to say stupid, but we're just so, ugh, that we're full of so much pride that exactly. we don't realize we actually need Christ. Amen. Yeah, we do. Because we're so full of ourselves. Right. Because he, he will he will, he'll take you, God will take you down to your lowest point. Yes. And when you get to that point, he knows that you're going to at least eventually come to him. Absolutely. And he'll, he'll start helping you rise up. And that's amazing because I think a lot of times is that we need to be ridden of our pride, be right. ridden of our selfishness, be ridden of all these things that are blocking. I kind of think it's like you, you, you're opening a door to a house. When you open a door to a house, there's a bunch of stuff and crap all over the place. To right. get, it's blocking you to get in. And, that, and for us, in my analogy, I'm saying that stuff that's blocking us to get into that house, the stuff that's blocking us to get into that house is our pride, our selfishness, all our sin. Exactly. Christ wants us to get that removed from us and right. break all that down so we can go into that door and ultimately Christ can really start working on our lives. That's right. Good God will uh, open one door, yep. shut it, and he'll open another one for you. Yeah. You yeah. know, this is an amazing story. Um, I really appreciate you coming here, Steve. Oh, you're welcome. Um, before we end this call, before we end this uh, podcast, I want to ask you a couple more questions here. Sure. Um, so, what is your plan now? What are you? What's your plan? Do you, do you, from here on out, what do you plan on doing? Well, next year I get my retirement, but I'm gonna stick around as long as I can until God tells me, it's "Okay, Steve, time for you to officially retire." Nice. So I'm gonna still keep my duty over here and serve the Lord, serve God, and I'm gonna serve the mission too. That's awesome. Now, has your relationship with your sister ever been resolved or? I have, yes, I have resolved everything there. Everything's good there with all my kids and everything. And How many kids you got? I have three. That's one, awesome. One grandchild. That's awesome. And when I retire, eventually I'm going to go down there into Florida and I'm going to live down there with them. Now, do you think your relationship would have even have been possible to resolve if you haven't gone through everything you've been through? What, I the biggest, the... See, I really didn't have the relationship with my kids, you know, when I was living out in the tent and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I went through the Genesis process here at the mission, that's what changed me. And that's when I resolved and I reached out to them. And right now, you know, everybody's very proud of what I've done. That's awesome. My sobriety and um, how I turned the, you know, the God, how I love Jesus. And um, my kids now... They were Catholic, and now they're all Christians now. Really? Yeah. Amen to that. Amen. <laughs> Took a while, but I got. <laughs> that is. I did it. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. I've got to work that out. And we talk every night on the weekends and everything like that. So we're in, we're in touch all the time. That is awesome. Yeah. God's cool. good. <laughs> Amen on that one. Yo, I think that's the best way to end this podcast right here. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, we are the. Um, this is the shelter. This is the shelter podcast. We're in. Cranston, Rhode Island, part of the Providence Rescue Mission. You know, we tell stories of Redeem, people who have gone from the lowest of lows and led, God had led them to the mission, and they're here today telling their stories of God has changed their life, just like Steve has to them today. You know, if you ever want to donate to the mission, you can go to the ProvidenceRescueMission.org, and there you can donate to the mission because they are 100% privately funded. They accept no money from the government. It's all based on donations from everyday people like me and you. So ProvidenceRescueMission.org, and there you can donate. 
But till next time, I am Mike. We had Steve here. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.